I think the point being, it's easy to ask people to go to church. All you got to do is ask. Um, so I hope you can do that. September 19th is going to be a great day to have them come. We're also going to have a meal following the service, so that'll be good. A couple of things to let you know. I want to make sure I give you an update uh, on the floor. We've, I know uh, Jason mentioned that. Um, we have, when we get half the money in, which is about $17,000, then we can begin the work. We'll call it in and all that. And um, we have, we're about $10,000 away from that now. So um, just as you guys, no, let me rephrase that. We have, we have about $7,000 away from that. Sorry, backwards. But, uh, you know, people have given and some have pledged and I, we appreciate all that. And uh, we're also, the school is gonna be helping us with that. But um, just appreciate all that you can do. You can go to the website, lantana.church. And uh, there's the, the links there to get involved with that. But um, a couple of other things. Very excited about a, a couple of weeks. Now today we're going to go Sermon on the Mount. And uh, next week we're going to finish it up. Um, I don't know if any of you guys are sad about that or not. Sermon on the Mount through the entire summer has been amazing. Uh, we're going to wrap that up next week. And then we're going to spend the next couple of weeks hearing from some of our ministry partners. I'm Super excited about this. Um, Steve and Amanda Pettit will be here on one of the Sundays to talk to us about what's going on with Rescue Hill, the human trafficking um, organization that they've started. And uh, we help with uh, immigration and, and human trafficking and all that. Sarisa is uh, involved with them. I am excited also to that many of you have involved, been involved, contributed, those kind of things. So uh, they're going to be here. Give us an update what's going on. Tell us some stories about some um, people that have been rescued out of human trafficking, which is, those are amazing stories of being set free. And um, then also we've began a relationship with an organization called Safe Families. Some of you remember that. Uh, Safe Families is a tremendous organization that uh, we have an opportunity to help them as they are helping families. Sometimes, uh, a family needs help with children or a mother might need some help in a particular way and Safe Families is the way that uh, that happens. It's actually it's a pre-CPS kind of a deal. Before the uh, government gets involved or um, Child Protective Services, uh, we're able to step in and help in different ways. So um, I say we, we partner with them and uh, they can do that. So I'm very excited about our partnership with them and they're going to be speaking to us also um, and then September 19th we're going to start talking about the kingdom of God um, I feel like I'm always excited about the next thing coming up I don't know if you're like me after a while you kind of get okay we're almost done Sermon on the Mount it's been a long summer let's get over but it's good teaching still but I'm ready to get talking about God's kingdom because it's amazing and it's going to be so exciting but anyway let's go on uh, just two weeks left and uh in, in this, we're going to, this week and next week. And, you know, it's an age-old discussion about men that uh, men never have to ask for directions. Have you ever, um, maybe, maybe you're not that kind of a guy and uh, you do ask for directions and I'm, I'm happy, proud of you. Like, awesome for you. Uh, the, see, I'm never lost, so it's, it's not a big deal. Um, I always know where I'm at. We watch our family. One of our family shows that we like to watch is Amazing Race. Anybody ever watched Amazing Race? I love Amazing Race. They've, I guess with COVID, they've kind of shut it down. We haven't seen one in a while, but uh, we went back and started watching some, some of the old seasons. Uh, Amazing Race is, if you don't know, it's, a, it's a, like a, a show, that, a reality show, where they pair people up and they have to travel. It's a race around the world, and each place they stop is a different uh, task or challenge. And the 
contestants are usually um, related somehow or friends of some kind and um, they really begin to get on each other. I mean like they're bickering back and forth and a lot of times they're arguing about which way do we go and how do you got us lost and all of this. So I, I think that when I think of people being lost I think of the amazing race a, long time, a lot of times but and like I said Sharice and I we've never had that problem because usually I know where I'm going and um, she doesn't have to help me at all. Which is not entirely true, but you know. Uh, but I'm not alone. This is a, a thing that a lot of men go through, uh, a lot of uh, people. Teresa, and then Teresa, she's really the same way because she wants to always be right and tell me that, you know, she knows where she's at. But in light of that, I had a couple of jokes I want to tell. Is that okay? I feel like today should be a Mandalorian message. Any of you who know what that is? Uh, what did the Mandalorian say when someone asked him for directions? This is the way. Yeah, very good. Um, I was arrested once for uh, being bad with directions, but I didn't incriminate myself because I know my rights. <laughs> See, wait for it. You got it? Okay. Um, I, I've got to read this story. This is a true story that I read, and you guys are going to love this. As a bagpiper, a guy wrote the story. As a bagpiper, I play many gigs. Recently, I was asked by a funeral director to play at a graveside service for a homeless man. He had no family or friends, so the service was to be at a pauper cemetery in the back country. As I was not familiar with the backwoods, I got lost, and being a typical man, I didn't stop and ask for directions. I finally arrived an hour late and saw the funeral guy had evidently gone and the hearse was nowhere in sight. There were only the diggers and the crew left, and they were eating lunch. I felt very bad and apologized to the men for being late. I went to the side of the grave, looked down, and uh, the vault lid was already in place. I didn't know what else to do, so I just started to play. The workers put down their lunches and began to gather around. I played my heart and soul for this man with no family or friends. I played like I'd never played. Okay. I don't know if that's me. All right, back to the story. Oh, my word. Probably is me. Let me get another mic here. I'll use this one here. All right, um, here we go. The workers put down their lunches, here we go, and began to gather around. I played out my heart and soul for this man with no family and friends. I played like I'd never played before for this homeless man. And as I played Amazing Grace, the workers began to weep. They wept, I wept, and we all wept together. When I finished, I packed up my bagpipes and started for my car. Though my head hung low, my heart was full. As I opened the door, I heard one of the workers say, I've never seen nothing like this before, and I've been putting in septic tanks for 20 years. <laughs> he got lost and went to the wrong funeral. So you just never know. Sometimes maybe it's best to stop and ask for directions. Uh, in life, this is uh, pretty often the case with most people. Uh, we, we know where we're going, right? Some of you guys know that, and we just don't need help. Let me get rid of this here. So today we're going to talk a little bit about directions. And uh, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 7. And if you want to follow along with the notes today, you can go to the church app. And the notes will be in there, the, today's sermon notes. Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 through 23. This is Jesus talking. Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only a few find it. Verse 15, watch out for false prophets. 
They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. Moving on to the next. Uh, a good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus by their fruit you will recognize them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only those who do the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. So this is, uh, we're getting kind of towards the end of the Sermon on the Mount. Obviously, we know that. We're going to wrap this up next week. Jesus kind of turns away from the law. He's done a lot of talk about uh, the law and what the law is and, and how Christians should, or followers of his, should set the bar on what the law is. In fact, to be more righteous. You guys remember all that. We've talked about it through the summer. So he's kind of turned course here a little bit, and he's talking about, he's this is like his summary, his conclusion. And he begins to talk about the two different ways, the two ways. And the idea of two ways is something that really has um, permeated society. I mean, you guys have probably seen drawings about it. We've heard stories about it. And it, it was something that would have laid hold of the mind of the early church. We really think that it did. There was a treatise known um, for, to the early Christians that it was titled um, The Teaching of the Twelve apostles. And in that treatise, they spend a lot of time talking about the two ways, the two ways to go. So essentially, this is not a new idea. This is something that goes all the way back. It's been prevalent in the church. And we're going to talk about it today to help us understand. Because I think as a kid growing up, I had a misconception about the two ways. Um, I, I didn't understand entirely uh, what Jesus was trying to say. And we're going to shed some light on that today. So first, let's talk about the entrance. The gate is, is the entrance, right? Everybody knows that. The gate is the entrance. It's, uh, it's one way to get into what Jesus is calling the narrow way. It's, it's really referencing the beginning of our walk, the beginning of our walk. When we choose Jesus, we choose the narrow way. When we choose Jesus, we see the gate. This is the gate to the way to follow Jesus. It's like the beginning of our walk, and this is where we're going. And Jesus is telling them, listen, you have to choose. Because there's only two ways. There's this way, and it's the narrow way, and not a lot of people are going to find this way because not a lot of people are going to choose Jesus. He's calling us to a decision. And I think it's important that we understand that people have to make a decision. Jesus has said, either you choose me or you don't. And if we don't choose Jesus, that comes with a whole different set of circumstance, a whole different uh, way of living and a whole different destination at the end. We don't drift into the kingdom of God. We don't just go along with life and somehow find ourselves having drifted into his kingdom. You know, just we wake up one day and we're like, oh, here I am in the kingdom. There's a misconception that always Every different way is going to lead to the same place. But Jesus is turning that on his head here and he's saying there's really only one way. There's two ways you can choose, but there's only one way to me. So we become Christians, we enter the gate, and we surrender to Jesus. 
Some think there's a, a third way. And the third way is I'm just not going to make a decision. I, I don't want to choose Jesus. I don't want to choose against Jesus. And honestly, who in their right mind comes along and says, you know what, this Jesus guy, I choose against him. Like, I'm going opposite. I mean, very few people are going to say, I'm opposite. Most of them say, mm, I don't want to choose Jesus because that way seems like it's a little hard. So I'm just not going to make a decision. The not making a decision is a problem because that is a choice against Jesus. And we don't have to choose evil. It's not like people who don't choose Jesus are necessarily choosing evil because evil is all around us. It's everywhere. We can find it. You guys know this. Living your life every day, everywhere, every place, there's evil. But Jesus has called us down the narrow way. We only have to let ourselves go and we think we're going to be swept through the gate. But that's not true. Because to not make a decision is choosing against him. So, so then here's, here's the Mandalorian. I, this, when I was writing this, I was like, man, I just really need to retitle this. So the Mandalorian, the way. We have the way. Life is more than its beginnings. Would you agree? I mean, the way we began life, even the way you began today, isn't the way that today has to end up. You can start your day one way and end up in a different way. So life is more than its beginnings. We have to consider its whole, the whole life. But the course, I don't, I'm not trying to speak in riddles, okay? But understand, the course, the way, the, the road that we're on is likely to represent the end. In other words, the way we're going is where we're going to end up. And so far we know there's two ways. So why is, and this is, this is really a question, why is the right way narrow? Do you think God said, you know what, I'm going to make this as difficult as I can. I got a good idea, guys. Let's make it hard. I don't think God did that. I don't think he was saying, let's make this hard. Let me make this as difficult as possible. I think the reason it's the narrow way is because it's the only way. There's a million other ways. That's why it's so broad. And you can choose any one of those other ways that you want. Take any one of those ways. Now, none of them lead to Jesus, only the one. Am I making sense? I don't think that there's, um, that the right way is narrow because God wanted to make it hard. I think the right way is narrow because it's the only way. There's no other way. And this isn't because restraint is a virtue in itself. And sometimes we treat it that way. Like, well, if I can only be good today, if I can restrain myself from saying that thing, if I can restrain myself from acting that way, then that's a virtue. But that's not true. There's an infinite number of wrong ways. Only one right way. At every moment, there's only one thing that is our duty to do. And that's to do the right thing. At any moment, our choice is to choose right. And that's righteousness, right? Righteousness. We're, when we choose righteousness, we're choosing to follow God. So um, it, righteousness involves self-denial, sure, but self-denial in itself is not righteousness. And we treat it that way. Righteousness is the pursuit of God. And when we pursue God, we find that we begin to deny the things 
that to deny self because following ourself is going to take us down the wrong path. I really feel like uh, like Yoda right now, <laughs> speaking in backwards riddles or something. I'm not trying to, guys. Am I, say, I, I can say it a hundred different ways. There's two ways, right? It's pretty easy. And they all lead to the end, okay? The broad way is not a shortcut to the narrow way. The, the wrong way it's not a shortcut to get us to the narrow way. This is what I was talking about earlier. Jesus has said there's just one way. We have to choose him. Um, the two different ways have different destinations. The character of where we want to end up, heaven, righteousness, the kingdom of God, the character defines the way we take. So which way do you want to go? Then you live that way. Either we choose Jesus, we choose righteousness, and we end up in his kingdom, or we don't. Pretty simple. All right, so let's talk about the trees and the fruit. He talked about trees and fruit a lot, right, in, in this, as far as how he's going to, uh, the trees and the fruit. It's not enough for Jesus just to, to deliver this wholesome teaching, not just to try to explain to them that there's really only one way. You can choose a thousand different ways, and, there's, and that way is broad. And the reason it's broad is because there's so many ways. But there's one way to him. He, he says that and he doesn't really need to spend a lot of time on that. So it's not enough just to deliver this wholesome teaching. He feels that here at the end of his teaching, he has to warn against the dangerous influence that other people can have on us because they can influence us to the wrong way. You know, when I was a kid, I was um, honestly, I'm thankful for my kids. I love my kids. They are all so much better than I was. <laughs> I, I wake up and I don't, I don't know how I did this. My kids are, they're good kids, man. They really are. I was a bad kid. I was hard on my parents. I don't know. I mean, I hope that I'm making up for it now. But, you know, my childhood, I was hard on them. And I can remember in fifth grade, went to Scarborough Elementary School in fifth grade. Inaugural year, by the way. Um, the first year it was open, we went, new school, awesome, excited. Fifth grade, went to this school, and um, I had a friend named Ernest. And Ernest, Ernest Diaz, I still remember Ernest. And Ernest, we were best friends, man. We were thick. We everywhere. We all, we went everywhere together. And I think this, it was either his second or third time through fifth grade. So, so his influence probably wasn't the best on me, and my parents struggled with that. I know they did. But they didn't you know, like they want me to choose right. They're trying to teach me how to choose right, choose right in life and all that. And um, it worked for a time. I was, oh man, this is when you know you got a reputation. I walked into class one day and my fifth grade homeroom teacher, her name was Mrs. Harrell. I still remember Mrs. Harrell. Mrs. Harrell, I walked in the room and she said, Calvary, I'm sick of you. Go sit in the hall. <laughs> what? Like, what did I do? You know, and it was, it was literally one of those moments of like, everybody hates me. What's wrong? What did I do? This is so bad. This is horrible. And then she came out of the room. A couple of teachers walked by and they were like, oh, I can't believe you're sitting on the hall. You're just, this is horrible. Mrs. Harold came out and she said, I'm gonna go call your dad. And I was like, on my knees. Oh, please don't call my dad. <laughs> please don't go call my dad. This is going to be the worst thing ever. Like, and so I painted this picture, like my dad's going to come up here with a bat. He's going to beat me and it's going to be horrible and it's all your fault. You know, um, that's how I was at that moment. And uh, anyway, long story short, he didn't beat me. There was no baseball bat. Whew. 
thankful for that. Um, I'm pretty sure I did get a spanking, but the result of that was that um, I couldn't hang out in school with Ernest anymore. My best friend, like I was banned from hanging out with Ernest. And um, probably the best decision that, that they ever made. And that's what Jesus is talking about here. Because he's, he's saying there are people that can come into your life that are going to influence you in the wrong way. When I'm in it and when I'm living it, I didn't notice that Ernest was taking me the wrong way. Like I didn't pick up on that. I was living my best life. You know, we're having a great time. We're all wearing our capa. Anybody remember capa shoes with the two bows? No, that they were like a six month fad. But, you know, we're all wearing our capas and the, you know, everybody's it's about the time people begin to discover flirting. And so like we're having this best time in the world. And apparently I had developed a reputation so that my teachers all were, you know, fed up with me. And so there's this whole thing going on because I had allowed Ernest to influence me. Now, Ernest and I, we stayed friends. Don't worry. It didn't end our friendship. But um, I, I was told that there were spies in the school that would tell him if I were to hang out with Ernest. So I don't, I don't know if that was really true or not, but uh, it worked because I didn't hang out with him at school anymore. But um, what Jesus is trying to do is to help us understand that we need to have righteous influence and we need influences in our life. We need to be careful with the kind of people. Um, People also, we need to be careful about the way we influence others. This isn't just a watch out if you're a pastor or a home group leader or a Sunday school teacher. This is a, if you are a believer and you're professing to be that, people are watching you. So don't take them down the wrong path. Don't take them the wrong way. This is something that every one of us have to pay attention to. The quality of the work is determined by the character of the worker. Remember that. How good we influence, the type of influence we are on others, is determined by the character that we display. And vice versa. And work is fruit. That's what he's describing this. A person's tree, I mean, excuse me, a person's true work is it's nothing that they choose to do. It's, it's not a way you earn a living. It is the product of our being. Who you are emits a certain a fruit, if we're going to use that term. So you will meet somebody, and you probably have sometime in your life, and you're like, hmm, I just don't have a good feeling about that person. Right? Has that happened to you before? I just don't know about them, or I don't know about what they said, or I don't think I want to do what they said they want to do, or, or something. That's because the product of their being is not one that you can identify with. You're like, ah, I don't know. So you ask yourself, what is the product of your being? What are people seeing or sensing or feeling from you? And, and the fruit, it's a smart analogy because the fruit corresponds to the tree. The teaching and, and life work that we, we are, what we're doing, it's, it needs to be more than just a picture painted, right? It is something that is a result of our lifestyle. And this is what one of the things social media has done so poorly for us. Because we have social media and it's happened to us. Um, we'll post a picture. In fact, 
we have a Teresa's favorite picture. And the, we're, we're sitting on a couch, and one of the kids is standing, I don't remember, one of the kids is standing over the couch, pictures we had done. And it's a, it's a great picture. And we post it on social media, and oh, look at our happy family. But I can tell you that moments before that picture was taken, like, I think the girls were pulling each other's hair, and Caden was crying, and Teresa was losing her mind, and she was like, just for one minute, will you sit down? And let's take, you know? And it's a beautiful picture. It's amazing. It's awesome. But what we do is, that's the image we portray to other people. So the fruit that Jesus is talking about is more than just a picture that's painted. It's more than just something hanging on the wall. It, it goes deeper than just this uh, shallow image. It is the product of your lifestyle, who you are. We are more than Instagram pictures. We're more than Facebook posts. We're more than tweets. <laughs> that sounds funny. I hope we're more than tweets. You know, like it is something that we have to pay attention to because Jesus says the worker will be judged by his work. And we have to be careful to not judge people prematurely because you've always heard that the, the, uh, you can't judge a book by its cover, right? We, we will make quick or snap, uh, snap judgments about somebody based on first impressions. And sometimes these are wrong. Oftentimes these are wrong. Someone may look the part, but then be worthless in regards to leading others in the way of Christ. And somebody may not look the part whatsoever and be one of the most beautiful, missionary, Christ-leading people that you've ever met. So we have to get into it and, and look at the fruit of their life. This is why we don't look at the hung picture. We have to look at who that person is but also know that the, that person's work. And when I'm saying that person, I'm talking about us too. Let's not absolve ourselves by thinking, oh, this is about other people. This is about me. Our work is going to be examined. We have to use, be careful not to use this as an excuse to judge people either. We look at somebody and we say, well, I've got to examine the work, so I'm going to judge them real quick. That's not it. We don't judge the person. We just need to look at the fruit. What is their life saying to me? The test is in the fruit. What is the result of a life that's been changed? Are we seeing the result? It's got to be more than just saying it. Here's the last one. Uh, the bad work will condemn the unworthy worker. The bad work is going to condemn the unworthy worker. Worker. We don't have to condemn them ourselves. We don't have to judge them ourselves. Whatever bad work, that's going to be evident in the end. You know, the tree only exists for the sake of the fruit. You guys know that, right? We, um, I've been trying desperately to keep Teresa from, she just gets frustrated with the garden. She just wants to yank it all. She goes out there and she's like, dumb garden. I'm done with this garden. I'm going mean, to start pulling it up. Wait, wait, wait a minute. I mean, I see a little flower on the cantaloupe thing. Is it a bush? Is it a vine? I'm not sure because we have a cantaloupe and it, it grows like a vine and we have it. Anyway, it's given us one cantaloupe this year. Just one. <laughs> That's all. There's another one growing. Very excited about the second one that is to come soon. And then the, the tomatoes. Um, we had tomatoes like crazy. We couldn't eat all the tomatoes fast enough. And then it stopped. 
Then there's no more tomatoes. There's like 20 green tomatoes on there, have been for a month. No, no tomatoes. The tree, but see, the, the point is these plants and trees, they exist only for the sake of the fruit. If you need help pulling the, the fruitless things out, Cerise is your person, man. She's going to do it. She'll come over. She'll pull them out. She's done. If you're not producing fruit, watch out. I'm a little more patient. I really want to see it. I love cantaloupe. I want to please, please grow me some cantaloupe because I don't want to spend 99 cents at the store to get it. Trees planted for fruit, they have to bear fruit. This is the other thing. For us, what kind of, we, as we examine ourselves, examine our life, what does the fruit of our life look like? And that's a deep, introspective question. What does the fruit of my life look like? How many people know Jesus today because of the fruit of my life? How many people have even begin to question who Jesus is because of the fruit of my life? How many people have changed lives because of the fruit of my life? Like, it's a question that we must ask ourselves, but be careful in asking it. Don't let it drive you away from the faith. Let it be something that pulls you into the faith, draws, that helps to draw you closer to God, build a better relationship with Him, so that you can produce more fruit and better fruit. Let's, let's end with this. This is the last part of the scripture. This is what Jesus says. This is one of the scariest, one of the scariest verses. in the, none, none of the scary verses for me are in Revelation. This is one of the most scary for me, though. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name, drive out demons. And in your name, perform many miracles. Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. There's a lot of people who think that they have the kind of relationship with Jesus that's going to lead them into his kingdom. And Jesus is saying there's a lot of people who are going to be wrong when they meet him. And this is the thing, the scary thing for me as a pastor. I, I want to create boundaries for the church. I want to create fences and say, hey, if we just stay inside this fence, we're going to keep you going in the right direction. Things are going to be good. And that's partly my job. But at the same time, I don't know your heart. God knows your heart. So you can act however you want. You can say all the right things. I can believe all of it. We can believe each other in all of it. But God knows your heart. <coughs> God is the one you can't fool. And someday, you're going to meet God. You're going to meet Jesus. And what is Jesus going to say? This is not what I want to hear. Because I'll stand in front of Jesus and say, well, Jesus, didn't I preach? I, I preached, I thought, some pretty good things. Didn't I... We had some good ice cream socials at the church. That was awesome. Jesus, I did some good. If I don't have a relationship with him and my life is bearing fruit, then this is what he's going to say. And he knows your heart. So we have to be careful not to let this idea that somehow we're going to just drift into his kingdom pervade our thinking. We can't allow that to happen. We're not going to just drift into his kingdom. We have to choose him because either we choose him 
or we choose against him. There's no middle road and there's no third choice. We have to also realize that the purpose of a tree is to bear fruit. That's it. There's no other reason. If there's a tree that doesn't bear fruit, its only use is for firewood. That's why we cut up all the mesquite. Actually, mesquite has some kind of weird fruit on it, but we still, we cut it up. <laughs> a tree is only good for the fruit that it bears. So my question for you guys today, and they're going to come forward and, and close us with the song here, but can we spend a minute just reflecting? The Holy Spirit's been with us all morning. I don't know if you've known that or felt that. Let's just spend a minute during this song. If you want to come and kneel at the altar, if you want to pray in your seat, I don't care, but just ask God, God, am, am I bearing the kind of fruit that you want? And how can I do that better? And this is one that goes either way. You might be bearing fruit and you're like, this is good, but I want to be better. God help me. You might be thinking, oh God, I'm, I'm, I'm not where I need to be. I need your help to get back where I need to be. So let's just spend the last few moments the last of this song and, and spend that talking to God about that. God, this morning as we prepare to close, we're so excited about what you've done for us and in us. I pray that you would help us to look at our lives, to reflect on what you want for us and from us. And God, if, if we are, a couple of things, I mean, I think it's pretty easy. We either choose you or, or not. If there's somebody here today who hasn't chosen you, I ask Father that you would that you would cause them to make that choice this morning. And then for the others of us, God, would you help us with the fruit of our lives? Because we want the fruit of our lives to be something that you're pleased with. Starts with our relationship with you. So we're going to take a few moments. We want to connect with you. Some might come and kneel at the altar. Some might kneel on the chair. Some might stand and worship. And uh, some at home, maybe you're sitting on the couch. They're gonna. I'm not sure, Father. But...